Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. In 2018, a viral audio created a huge debate about what was the audio saying. If you have heard about this, mind me bringing this subject again. If you haven't, listen to this audio and let's see what you hear. The audio goes like this. Laurel. 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 What did you hear, Laurel or Yanni? This all dates back to May 2018. Kathy Hetzel, a freshman at Flowery Branch High School in Georgia in the USA, was studying for her world marketing class and checked on an audio button on vocabulary.com as part of a spelling challenge in that website. And she heard the word Yanni, which she didn't know and didn't know how to spell. So she asked her friend how to spell it, and he looked at her puzzle as he had heard Laurel. She asked her friends in her class, and some heard Laurel and some heard Jani, says Hetzel. She then posted the audio clip to her Instagram story. Soon, a senior at the same school, Fernando Castro, republished the clip to his Instagram story as a poll, and from there to Reddit, and then it went viral. And it seems like... Half of us hear Jani and half of us hear Laurel, which is insane. The actual word was Laurel, but she was puzzled because she didn't hear that and her friends hear something different. So even though poor audio quality can contribute to the confusion, it seems like in this case, those that hear more high frequencies will hear Jani and those that hear lower frequencies hear Laurel. So according to Rory Turnbull, professor of linguistics at the University of Hawaii, what a person hears personally is a result of how our brains pick up on and interpret these frequencies. And according to many experts also, the words people interpret are often related to what they're primed to hear based on what is on their minds, their linguistic background and other factors. I have an experience related to this. Years ago, I lost my hearing on my left ear. Won't get into details about this story. I've talked about it in my book and other podcast episodes. But not long after I lost it, I was still learning to adapt to this situation. And one weekend, some friends, my husband and I, we took a ferry to go to an island in the state of Massachusetts in the USA called Martha's Vineyard. My husband bought the ferry tickets and told me, I will keep the return tickets and give you the going tickets. When we boarded the ferry, I gave the going tickets to the guy at the entrance and off we went for the day. We spent a great day around the island and when we were on our way back, my husband looked at me and asked me, do you have the return tickets? I looked puzzled and I told him, no, <laughs> you gave me the going tickets and you have the return tickets. He looked at me annoyed and repeated, no, you have the return tickets, come on. This started a heated discussion, first to get the tickets out as we had to board the ferry, and second, each claiming righteousness. After realizing that we did not have the return tickets, already with an escalating discussion to a higher tone, 
He asked me, why didn't you say you didn't hear me? When you don't hear me, let me know. But the truth is that my brain had heard exactly what I had heard. I left the group and sat on a bench alone for some minutes. I needed to process this because at that moment I was confused and actually got scared. How could I trust what my brain was telling me I was hearing? How could I know when I was hearing something and when not? When I could not distinguish it. In my brain, it was exactly the same thing. When was my brain filling in the gaps or really delivering sounds sent by someone else? My compassion for the elderly instantly grew immensely. When you hear these stories about a grandpa or grandma making up something they heard that you didn't say, well, maybe their brain, as the hearing worsens, is also filling in the blanks and they can tell because they don't distinguish. Sitting in that bench, the question pounding in my head was, how will I function now? How will I make a conversation if I don't distinguish what is said and what is invented by my brain? And well, seems like this phenomenon is known since the 1970s that the brain can fill in inaudible sections of a speech, which was termed perceptual restoration. I will not call it restoration, but rather creation, invention. This seems to be because one region of the brain, called the inferior frontal cortex, predicts what word someone is likely to hear. And it does this two-tenths of a second before the superior temporal gyro starts processing the sounds a person has heard. I wonder how they measure that. But anyway, your brain puts in the acoustics they're missing. But although this prediction might seem clever, it has been found that it has its limitations, as I know firsthand. The brain doesn't seem to use the context of a conversation to improve the accuracy of its guesses. When they prime people to hear a particular word, they were just as likely to hear the word related. And the less you hear, the more blanks your brain fills. So I guess that day my brain was primed to hear that I had the going tickets and not the return tickets. That day, I sat on the bench for what seemed an eternity, probably not, as the ferry was not waiting for us and we had to buy tickets again. But as Seymour had asked me, why didn't you tell me you didn't hear? I remember thinking of the pilots that have to repeat the critical command three times and read back all the information that is important, ensuring there is absolutely zero doubt in anyone's mind, especially on a big crew airplane, of what needs to be done in a critical situation and about all the messages that goes between the controllers and the pilots. So I picture myself having to repeat back everything I heard to make sure I heard right. And honestly, that will be unbearable. <laughs> Who wants to have a conversation with someone that repeats all back? Not feasible, not feasible. So that day I decided that for the important and critical information in a conversation, I will repeat back. For everything else, I would accept the fact that sometimes I will make mistakes, I will sound weird or dumb or illogical, and that will be okay. And actually, by the reactions of the people I'm talking to, I can often tell I didn't hear well. <laughs> so why am I telling you this story? Well, that video of Johnny and Laurel just popped up in my radar and made me think about what really makes good communication. 
And although that is a big topic and we can talk about different techniques, different settings, whether talking to one person, to a small crowd, a huge crowd, talking through video, having an intimate conversation, talking to your partner, to your family, to your students, you're always talking to one individual, whether you see them or not, whether there are 1,000 of them together or not. This audio controversy of Jani and Laurel and my story illustrates that we all hear from a different place because of culture, hearing abilities, priming, language knowledge, and the meanings we give to words. And if we can hear such different things, the one skill that many talk about, which is listening, might not be enough. That said, deep listening is very important, as is the empathy for the person or people you're communicating with, observing their body language if possible, and being aware of your emotions and the emotions of others involved in the conversation that conveys the message you're ultimately trying to send. So to effectively communicate, we must realize that we're all different in the way we perceive the world and use this understanding as a guide to our communication with others. One of the biggest causes of conflicts is due to two people operating from different ways of viewing the world, steaming from different typological orientations. With our different personality types, we often miscommunicate using the same language. Effective communication should resolve conflicts, transfer information, increase understanding, and ultimately strengthen your relationships. We are not naturally wired to communicate to each other's style. When you add to the mix generational, cultural, gender differences of expressions, and how each person thinks and feels, things can get messy and fast. <laughs> The good news is that anyone can learn and adapt to the communication styles of other people in order to work better with them. But why do we communicate? Well, there are three primary reasons. First is to create or amplify a positive feeling by communicating something you feel good about. When you're happy about something, you want to share it. It gets magnified. We want to amplify our good feelings. Number two is to get out of a negative feeling, to release tension when you feel bad. When you're angry or when things are bad, you want to communicate. Some people shut down, but many want to communicate, and sometimes it's to make others feel our pain, which is not the best time to communicate. Or we can say things that can harm others. But the bottom line is we want to communicate to release tension, anger, and feel better. Third is to create a new result. What we're doing now is not good enough and we want to create something different and make it better, be more efficient. And if you create a better result, you will feel better. So really the bottom line is the purpose of all communication is to feel better, to feel good. And is it possible to communicate and feel good and make others feel bad? <laughs> if you feel good in the moment and you feel right but are causing pain to someone you care, Will you feel good in the long term? Some people can say, yes, I will, but maybe unconsciously the other person will now try to get back at you and make you feel bad. So this is not effective communication. Our goal should be not only to feel good, but also that the other person feels good in the long term. And I don't mean not addressing harm matters. There are many ways to address harm matters where both sides feel heard. And it does not mean agreeing all the time, but creating an environment where people feel safe, heard, so we can also produce a change and results. 
So we can talk about many things, many skills that we can have to communicate more effectively, connecting with the other part, adapting to their communication styles, being clear with the message, anticipate objections, be open to other points of view, identify solutions, defining actions to move forward. And we could also talk about different types of communication or the different types of emotion to evoke or about the different type of personality which define a tendency in the conversations. But I will leave that for future episodes. In this one, I will focus on one of the things that I believe is the most important for a very effective communication, and that is intention. Your intention for this communication. Some people will call it purpose, motivation. So when you are in the middle of an argument and the conversation is starting to get too heated, you can stop and ask yourself, what's the purpose of this communication? What is my intention? And is this working? You want to remind yourself what the purpose is so you don't lose the focus in, in the middle of the emotions, get derailed and end up not getting anywhere or saying things that you will later regret. And if your intention comes from a place of love, you will find a way to express what you want to say, to listen from another place, to bring about the needed empathy to understand where the other person is and whether it's more important being right or finding a way to express things and find a common ground. There is a story that Tony Robbins shares about the one moment that ended the Cold War. He asked Gorbachev which was the moment that pivoted and ended the Cold War. Gorbachev went on to explain that he was having this intense conversation with Reagan, with Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was lecturing him on the evils of communism and Gorbachev was lecturing him about the evils of capitalism. Things were getting madder and madder and Gorbachev was becoming angrier. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Reagan just stood up, looked at him and walked away. He walked for four or five steps and then turned around and said with a highly animated face, Can we start fresh? My name is Ron. Are you Mikhail? Gorbachev began laughing and crying as he heard the question again and he said, You have to love this guy, he told Tony. On the one hand, Regan was crazy and insane in Gorbachev's eyes, and on the other hand, he was warm. Regan caused on both of them a change of state, but most importantly, he probably never lost sight of his intention to find a way to communicate with Gorbachev and end the Cold War. It is so powerful to set an intention and don't lose the focus. So when you start any conversation, set an intention. Do you want to improve a situation? Do you want to end a relationship in the best terms? Do you want to create a stronger bond with someone? Do you want to help? Do you want to teach something? Do you want to share a new idea? What is your intention? Another important thing is to check your own emotional state. And if you know a little about the other person, their emotional state. If you're full of anger, maybe you need to take a walk around the block before you start any conversation. If you tend to stay quiet, maybe you need to get a little angry to find the courage to speak up. If your mind is somewhere else and not present, maybe you need to breathe and bring yourself present to this moment and that person. And the third important thing is to observe and listen to the other person. Don't assume because you speak the same language that you mean the same thing. Ask for clarifications to make sure you're talking about the same thing, that you have the same definition. 
Never assume that you understand everything. Ask, what do you mean? What does this mean to you? I know what it means to me, but what does it mean to you? So summarizing for a good communication, pay attention to the triad. Intention, reflection, and attention. Set an intention and don't forget it. What's the purpose of this communication? And is this working? Reflect on your emotional state so you don't bring unnecessary baggage into the conversation. And last, attention. Pay attention to the other person you're talking to. Pause before replying to listen. People want to feel heard. You will understand better. Intention, reflection, attention. What do you think is most important for an effective communication? Thanks for this shared time. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you like it and find it has stories and insights that others can benefit from, please share it. If you think it deserves five stars, you can leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Follow us in Spotify or whatever app you use for listening to podcasts. And if there are things that you would like covered in this podcast, please contact me. All my information is in the notes. A huge, huge hug and kisses to you, change maker. Somebody,